0: Welcome to the discussion, Leading Forward, the link between higher education and our future government workforce, sponsored by American Military University.
1: Here's today's moderator, J.J. Green. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Dr. Marie Harper, Dean of the Wallace Boston School of Business at American Military University, Dr. Karen Wolf, the Chief Learning Officer at Mantec, and Chanda Chan, an MBA graduate and entrepreneur. The 2020 COVID-19 pandemic has changed absolutely everything that we do, from how we live to how we play, and certainly how we work. And speaking of work, that's been one of the most impacted elements by this pandemic. Employers hire and develop their workforce to adapt now to what they call a new normal. We're going to explore that new normal today. And that includes working adults seeking training and education and they're trying to essentially do what we now call upskilling for new industries and careers. To get into institutions like American Military University, that's key right now because they're optimizing offerings to equip workforces with relevant education and transitional skills that benefit employees and employers alike. So I'd like to start off on this program with Dr. Marie Harper from AMU, and she's the, again, Dean of the School of Business at uh, that university. And I'd like to ask you, give us your sense, your view of what this new normal is like for you and for your your school.
2: Yes, thank you, JJ. I saw this new norm as an opportunity to assist businesses with rebalancing themselves, reflecting, rebuilding um, what they need to do in order to meet the challenges and hopefully opportunities of this new norm. And we looked at our program, kept some of the basics, but added some what we consider new skills that would assist these businesses. And our approach is to have the degree programs, which are the traditional way um, of doing education, but also offering the short-term certificates that may help them with skills that are necessary for businesses to rebuild during this interim economy.
1: Now, how would you assess? The degree of difficulty you went through to do this because, again, everything has changed. I mean, you know, you have to think about, um, you said uh, you wanted to keep the basics, but you also wanted to uh, sort of uh, look forward with what you were doing bringing people together, managing the technology, managing the time. A lot of people work, work from home, a lot of some work from work. And you know, even in this situation and every Zoom call, there are technical issues. There are issues that take place that are unforeseen, people adjusting to that. So give, give us a sense of how you were able to uh, sort of manage getting all of these uh, situations involving people in different places together Uh, because you couldn't get them all into a room, I'm sure, to do this, and um, some sense of how difficult it was to pull this off.
2: That's an interesting question. First of all, I want to say before I, um, higher education is my second career. Prior to that, I was in human resources and organizational behavior. I saw this as an opportunity to look at both of my careers to help not only the businesses, but also higher ed as a whole. And some of the things that I looked at was, what are the businesses asking for? That's been one of their complaints over the last two decades is that sometimes higher ed doesn't get it. Um, I wanted to show them that I really did understand what they were going through and to help them to assess what they would need in the short term as well as the long term. Also, I have the experience of working in three different companies' remote status over the last 15 years. So a lot of the things that I was suggesting, it was not theoretical. It was actually things that I worked through, and it was also um, three different alternatives. So there was not one plan fits all. So I was able to talk to people as well as the faculty, how can we design Um, Programs where everyone gets something out of it. And that's where we started the base. And um, my base was our management programs and our business programs. They're two separate things. Our management programs focus on what I call the people skills, leadership. And we have a director who worked on courses that would assist leaders, managers with um, motivating their workforce, especially working remotely. Um, also to give them tools on what would make sense in terms of communication and how to build effective teams where we empowered the workers. On the business end, we took the operations approach. What types of systems need to be in place? What is it like to work in the digital age? Um, How do we assess risk? and how do we look at business continuity and sustainability so that was our base ground and we just built on that and the one thing we did we have many people who are still active practitioners in our faculty rank so they were able to bring their experiences from different industries and as we all sat on the phone i was about to say around the table but in the zoom meetings we started to share. And I think that's what every company should do as well. Before we really get into saying what type of training we want, let's see what our people, what skill sets they have, especially skill sets that are out of the realm of the regular duties they were doing um, before the um, epidemic.
1: Turning to Dr. Karen Wolf, Chief Learning Officer at ManTech, Dr. Wolf, um, give us your view your version of what the new normal post or or during COVID-19 this pandemic has been?
3: Dr. Harper said a couple of things that I find very intriguing. She talked about how often academic institutions don't listen to employers. And I have found that to be the the case. And that's one reason why we have a a partnership with American Military University is they do listen to employers. um, And that the traditional degree route is not uh, the only option on the table right now. We have a highly technical skilled workforce, and one of the things that we've found ourselves in the market for are those transitional skills or the soft skills side of the house, because our people are very technical. Uh, And a degree program is not necessarily what they need either. We're seeing a lot of uh, employees asking for micro-credentials or credentials, or really just to take a course or two in order to get themselves refreshed uh, or updated on their skill set.
1: And um, how would you describe the journey from making that pivot into to where you are now? And the reason I've been asking this particular question is because for some, it's been easier. Dr. Harper pointed out. There were some things in some in some people's uh, work life work lives that were on the sh- on the shelf that were prepared. Just add water, just open the can and do what you need to do, and you move on to it. But some situations people had to start completely from scratch uh, and this was very difficult. So I'm trying to get some sense of uh how you would uh, assess uh, what it took to get from where you needed to be from where you were to where you need to be and where you are right now in terms of uh, continuing to do your work on a regular basis and be successful and productive at it?
3: Well, what we needed to do very, very much based on our customer and the work that we were doing. About 80% of our workforce um, actually works at the customer site. They don't work in a building that says Mantec. So depending on what the customer's response to the pandemic was, that's how we as a company had to respond. So in many cases, our employees didn't miss a beat. They've been reporting to the workplace uh, because of the amount of classified work we do for the government. Um, they've not been able to work remotely. And we've, that's one group of employees where we've really had to adapt to how our customer's mission was being executed. For a lot of our back office employees, we've always been a very much, we work in a building together in a conference, you know, with a lot of face-to-face meetings. And so for our back office employees, we were not equipped to work remotely and very much had to kind of figure it all out. Um, I have to give a shout out to our IT department because they've been amazing and supporting us with equipment and laptops and headsets and We've had to do a lot of, um, you know, teach people how to use Zoom or teach people how to use WebEx um, type of almost what I call instant training courses where we've had to, you know, we've had to rush something into production. Uh, my team pulled all of our annual mandatory training requirements to the left and we folded an entire year worth of required training into April literally so that people who had time on their hands could use it productively and, and learn something new.
1: Mm. Dr. Uh, Harper, I'm going to go back to you just very briefly, uh, because I want to get to Chanda Chan and and her experience uh, through this process of upskilling during this time. But I just want to go back to you very quickly to see, um, did you have a similar experience with people uh, that, 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 that Dr. Wolf just talked about, uh, people were just continuing to do what they normally did. Uh, how much uh, retraining did you have to do and, and how heavily did you have to lean on your IT folks? How much did people already know and were they able to just actually just uh, flip a switch and, and go straight to it?
2: Yes, JJ, we, I would say we were able to flip a switch. Our IT was very crucial in that they assisted the operations, the corporate office, to transitioning at home. We were fortunate that the academic part of our organization, they already were working remotely. So once we got the operations in their homes set up with the equipment, it was seamless. Mm. If anything else, more productive.
1: Okay. And Chanda Chan, you're an MBA graduate and entrepreneur, and you're a beneficiary of this uh, education process uh, that runs through American Military University. I'm interested in hearing your view on how this new normal caught you and how it impacted you and how you were able to to take advantage of uh, what you had at your disposal.
4: Hi, JJ. It's, um, you know, I think the educators and business go hand in hand and American Military University specifically have helped me online. So my world hasn't changed dramatically, but it has impacted the business aspect because I'm having to be able to connect with clients and prospect online and virtually, basically living in the virtual world even more so now than I think was ever before. And I feel like the experience I had with American Military University really helped. It was an online university. I think they were more prepared for this pandemic, than most other universities who were brick and mortar, because they've already had the technology in the background that was already in the works, and that's what helped me get my degree virtually wherever we were, as we were stationed around the United States or across overseas.
1: How would you compare that experience, just briefly for uh, just a few seconds here? How would you compare that experience to your previous experience in a class in a classroom in a
4: physical classroom? I- I feel like the experiences I have now have benefited in the sense of, like, most, whereas most businesses have been negatively impacted, I think that the, in the business world now, most everyone is tied up in Zoom meetings and virtual online connections.
1: Well, you know, this is a very interesting scenario here with everyone today talking through this process. We're going to get deeper into it as we move through this program and look at upskilling and um, how all of the participants and the stakeholders have been impacted, how they've been benefited from it and um, how they're moving forward using what they've been exposed to, what they've learned, and, and looking at what their plans are for the future. I'm your moderator, JJ Green. You're listening to Federal News Network. And for more on this discussion, Stay with us, we'll be back shortly.
0: American Military University earned its reputation as a leading provider of quality education to national security professionals by always making students the number 1 priority. They offer field-tested curriculum taught by industry experts to keep you ahead of national security trends with affordable tuition and monthly class starts. AMU fits your life. Join AMU's community of military and civilian professionals who are making a difference. Push your mind at amuonline.com. AMU is part of American Public University System, which is to operate by Chev.
1: Welcome back to the discussion: Leading Forward: the link between higher education and their future government workforce, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Network. My guests today are Dr. Marie Harper, Dean of the Wallace Boston School of Business at American Military University, Dr. Karen Wolf, the Chief Learning Officer at Mantec, and Chanda Chan, an MBA graduate and entrepreneur. You know, the economy has been hit hard, um, just as hard as anything else by COVID-19. The markets, the marketplace is a different environment in many ways. So I'd like to get some in, insight from all of you about this this aspect of uh, leading forward and, and making changes um, uh, for higher education and, and, and the government workforce and Dr. Harper, I'd like to start with you. Uh, Give us your assessment of what you've seen in the marketplace.
2: Um, Thank you, JJ. One of the things that I did after we started developing our curriculum was to go out to businesses that we have programs in. And first I would just observe them. Then I would take the opportunity to talk to some of their employees as well as the managers to ask them what was working and what wasn't working. And if they had the chance to start all over again, would they do anything differently? What I found out was um, one of the approaches that I mentioned earlier, I saw that the leaders, because they did not have the answers, this was a new situation, They were soliciting the assistance from the employees to find out what worked right. For example, the restaurant industry doing well in the area that I live in. And one of the things that the leaders did was look at different ways that they could provide services to potential customers. The employees, in turn, just started helping each other instead of saying, I'm the server, I'm the cook they were doing a little bit of everything. And I don't think that's just the restaurant industry. I've gone to other businesses and I've seen a similar approach, but whatever fit their particular industry. So
1: basically it was an all hands on deck, whatever's need to be done, let's do it and let's do it in the most professional manner possible. And when you look back at um, the leaders who were essentially uh, I guess allowing um, the, the employees to do their version of leading to take some responsibility and moving the entire enterprise forward were they okay satisfied with what they what they found and how did that inform them in terms of uh, where they wanted to go after they ex- had experienced this this all hands on deck uh, process with with their with their teams
2: that's a good question JJ I actually think we're headed for a new version of the world of work i think it's going to be one where leaders will not be expected to know all the answers they will allow they will be allowed to be vulnerable and also to empower their workers the freedom to share in the decision making and it will be one big team um, one of the things that we have in one of our courses is the whole concept of diversity of thought Everyone comes from a different background. They've had different experiences. Now is the time to start sharing um, the different perspectives to see what works best.
1: It's okay to be vulnerable. That's a gigantic um, concept, you know, and uh, it's, it's happening in a lot of different places right now. Um, dr uh, dr. wolf I'd like to, to move over to you to see did you have you experienced that uh, inside mantech um, have you experienced that in any way um, in the in, in the in the business world uh, and certainly in your industry uh, since this has all taken place or is this something that perhaps was unique to dr. Harper
3: um, I would agree with dr. Harper um, I like the word vulnerable and it really is a conversation from basically the ground up with managers who are willing to listen. Um, and the reason that that's so important is our employees are very good at solving complex problems. And by, by the business listening to employees and what they need to solve the problem, obviously the, the whole business benefits from that. So one example I wanted to just share is we have a group of engineers that are very proficient in something called digital engineering, and I didn't even know what that was and had to have somebody explain it to me. But basically, they work at um, the Vandenberg Air Force Base. Mantec doesn't build rockets, and we don't build payloads. But what our engineers do is they associate the payload with the rocket and then handle the launch into space. And they used to only be able to do 12 launches a year. But by digitizing the engineering process, we've been able to uh, speed that up and do 30 a year and save the government some money in doing that. And the only reason we were able to do that is we had some really smart engineers who figured it out. And basically, it's now a, a new line of business for us to be able to provide those services to the government. So. Um, being active listeners is very important, um, I think, if you're going to be smart. Because there's so much digital transformation going on right now in our business and so much focus on new technologies like 5G and artificial intelligence and machine learning. And all of those those technology developments are really impacting our business. And you can't go hire people on in the market with those skills we basically have to create those skills or teach our people how to, to use those new technologies.
1: So I'm wondering, do you think the way this has is, 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 is played out is going to impact the way Mantech works moving forward, even after the, pandem- the pandemic is done? Because um, do I've heard on a number of occasions that um, some things simply are not going to go back to the way they were before this pandemic, speaking about work life. Do you get the sense that there are elements of what Mantec does that are going to be permanently impacted by uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic?
3: Well, I, I know in my case, absolutely permanent impact. One of the biggest things that I thought I did before COVID is run a training and conference center, which is about 15,000 square feet of space. And it hasn't been used since March. You know, we closed it down and we figured out how to do virtual meetings. Um, We were always very much an in-the-office company, but uh, many of our employees have done the shift and are now working from home, which I think there was kind of an attitude about if you're not not at the office, you're not productive. And I don't know about other uh, people in this meeting, but I've been more productive since the pandemic probably than I have in my entire 40 plus year career in the workplace. You know, nine or 10 meetings a day is not unusual. And um, I, I see the same thing from my team, that they've just done incredible things um, at a time when we thought, you know, being productive was, you know, the, that 90 minute meeting in the office. Um, and I figured out that really the most important thing that I do is not run that space but to take care of our employees, to make sure that their training opportunities and their opportunities to learn new things are available. Now we've seen a 243% increase over the training consumed by our employees in 2019 and what we've done year to date in 2020. It's kind of amazing that people are adapting the pandemic by becoming Um, lifelong learners or or turning back to learning as a solution, it's a coping strategy for people I think right now.
1: Yeah, to be quite honest about it, um, early on I was impacted by the work at home scenario, but uh, for a number of months now, a lot of months I've been back in the office. But, um, you know, it, it was interesting during the course of working from home, it was something of an escape too. Because you know you're relegated to the space and you can't really go anywhere, you can't really do anything. But the opportunity to learn something with an organization like AMU and perhaps a company like yours made it uh, a very appealing scenario to, to to try to learn some things, some new things. So uh, Chanda, I'd like to hear about how this process impacted you from a market point of view. You know, uh, people weren't doing what they were normally doing and you being an entrepreneur, I'm sure your business was impacted. So give us your view on how your, how your market was impacted by this.
4: Well, as an entrepreneur, I think you know it's been shifting our services from in-person meeting um, into more of a virtual world. I do real estate. So it requires a lot of like in-person, hands-on meeting the client at the house, open the door, or in the commercial world, which is opening the space and um, letting them in and showing them. So you have a lot of contact. So our exposure is a little bit greater. And so with that, with the pandemic in mind, we're having to implement masks and a lot of hand sanitizers and bringing them extra masks if other clients doesn't have it. So it has impact with our way of living and our way of communicating and contacting with our clients.
1: So um, just curious, as you look, look at this particular situation right now, do you see um, staying with some of this uh, activity uh, that you're engaging in, you know, the, the, the Zoom conferences, uh, the online mm-hmm. business, or, or do you think you would move back to the, uh, the in-person engagements?
4: I think that what the pandemic has done on the positive side, of the, on the positive side, it has made me be more creative in terms of how I market myself and my business and connecting with the clients. A lot of the times I work with military families, so it's sight unseen, uh, whether there's purchasing a house or a business from another state. It's a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of what we do, uh copes, and things, where you take in videos and you send to the clients. Um, So, in a sense, I think it's made it better because it's maximized use of your time and your communication with your client.
1: So, I want to turn it around here and ask you another very quick question before uh, going back uh, through the panel again. How has the AMU brand, how has the American Military University brand furthered your student objectives? How have they made your objectives more achievable, attainable?
4: When I was attending AMU, I didn't have a choice on whether I wanted to go brick and mortar or online. My husband's active Navy, so we move around quite a bit. And having AMU, American Military University, having an online platform like that was very helpful. I think by way of that, I was able to adjust quickly through change. And with the pandemic itself and the skills that I've learned from online school, it's kind of helped me pivot it into the virtual world rather quickly in my experience. And my degree in marketing really helped. And it helped because now a lot of the marketing platform is on social media and on communication virtually. So in doing that, that's really helped my business.
1: That's very interesting, Chanda. Um, Let me go to to Dr. Harper about this, um, the brand, the American Military University brand. Dr. Harper, how has, to your knowledge, this brand furthered student objectives?
2: I believe that the brand has helped the student objectives because we have given them an opportunity of being successful in different types of platforms. And by that, I think this whole situation has made everyone realize that doing things remotely as well as online can be done. Whereas before, there were a lot of naysayers who were adamantly against Um, doing anything with technology. So we have been doing this for years. When it came upon us, we were able to transition very quickly and help a lot of other universities who were not familiar with doing classes online. So we are a um, forerunner right now in assisting not only businesses, but other academic institutions. And it has pivoted our students and graduates to a new position because they just come out of the school ready to run with the organization.
1: Dr. Karen Wolf, you as Chief Learning Officer at Mantec, I'm interested in hearing what you think is going to most likely be the most lasting impact on the company and the the way the company moves forward. that's taken place during the course of your adjustments during the, the COVID-19 pandemic and dealing with the staff, dealing with uh, the company's uh, financial goals, and obviously uh, the things that are important in keeping the business up and running and keeping it profitable and keeping it impactful as well. Um, but also looking at uh, how the future is, for one thing, it's likely to change the way a lot of people coming along look at companies and their capabilities and what they actually get from those companies. So how do you think COVID-19, uh, the pandemic, will impact what it is that Mantec does moving forward?
3: Well, I think now that we figured out how to work remotely, at least the back office function of the company, that we'll see a lot more uh, people working from home and less reliant on people being in the office all the time. Um, Some of our customers have actually gotten much more nimble about allowing uh, us as contractors to work remotely. And we've also seen the development of some, um, you know, like many offices where you're not actually reporting necessarily to the customer site, but for where people need, do need to be together to perform some, Hands-on type functions like security operations and working with it, you know, the the computers and the equipment in the office, uh, where they're just smaller groups of people rather than these, you know, huge groups of, of people all reporting to the same location. Uh, the the other thing that I'm seeing is um, a lot more uh, job sharing and gig type assignments where people aren't necessarily full-time employees, but you know, they'll work on a project together for four to six weeks, and then the group disbands, and then, you know, they may come back together in three or four months. Um, a lot of internal mobility, and that's one of the things we've tried very hard to do, is to have our employees not look at Mantech as a job, but instead look at it as a career. And where do they want to be six months from now or three years from now? And to start looking at building those skills of the future so that it's not just that specific contract, but what is an area that uh, as we move the company into new um, technical focus areas, uh, how do I grow my skills so that I'm, I'm, I'm not just on that one contract, I'm, you know, I have the ability to move around in the company. We have an entire team of people who do nothing but help employees move around in the company
1: yeah that's really interesting. I've heard that uh, similar stories from some of the uh, folks that I've spoken to in in my work in, in national security about how nimble they they actually have to practice that you know have to work on that, how nimble can you be, how many things can you juggle or balance at one time, and how quickly can you pivot uh, in order to get to where you need to be. but we're going to explore some of those other things that are important, like crisis management and Uh, performance, uh, measuring performance when we come back. I'm your moderator, JJ Green, on the discussion leading forward, the link between higher education and our future government workforce, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Network.
0: American Military University earned its reputation as a leading provider of quality education to national security professionals by always making students the number one priority. They offer field-tested curriculum taught by industry experts to keep you ahead of national security trends. With affordable tuition and monthly class starts, AMU fits your life. Join AMU's community of military and civilian professionals who are making a difference. Push your mind at amuonline.com. AMU is part of American Public University System, which is certified to operate by Chev.
1: Welcome back to the discussion, Leading Forward, the link between higher education and our future government workforce, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Network. My guests today are Dr. Marie Harper, the Dean of the Wallace Boston School of Business at American Military University, Dr. Karen Wolf, the Chief Learning Officer at Mantec, and Chanda Chan, an MBA graduate and entrepreneur. Dr. Wolf, I'd like to ask you very quickly uh, to start this segment off. How has everything that you've had to to manage and to do um, impacted your ability to uh, perform what every company and every organization has to do at some point, even we all have to do it personally sometimes, manage crisis. So how has all this impacted your ability to do
3: that?
0: Well, it's been a
3: bit of a challenge, like for everybody. Um, But since we, we manage crisis Crises as a uh, as a line of our business, um, it basically was taking some best practices it, from one area of the business and then transporting it to other areas in the business. That one example is that um, unlike some companies that have had a time uh, struggling with the economy, we're actually growing right now. So one of the first problems that we faced is how do we completely change our onboarding process to be completely remote because we still very much were, uh, we want to, you know, we want to shake your hands. We want to hug you. We want to welcome you to the company. We want to buy you lunch kind of company. And that was our first experience with our new employees. Of course, all of that, all of that changed when we had to pivot and make our onboarding process uh, completely remote, but it's not unusual for us to hire, you know, a hundred people, on a Monday morning. Um, so figuring out how to do that um, remotely uh, was a bit of a challenge, but we moved to that fairly quickly and we've, we've actually seen the business grow. We've seen turnover go down um, where people are not necessarily leaving, they're staying and, um, and, and completely converting to an online um, learning format. I mean, we were 95% there before the pandemic But we're 100% online learning now.
1: So talking about crises, Dr. Harper, your ears to the ground with a a lot of your your associates and, and organizations that you work with, what are they telling you about their concerns and their interest regarding crisis management?
2: Um, Yes, J.J. I think for a lot of the people that I've talked to, this has been an exciting time, even from a leadership standpoint, because it's the unknown. They don't know what is going to happen. So they're exploring, taking chances, um, and looking at what does the customer want? What do they want in the new norm? And for example, I went to a Marriott, and I talked to the general manager, and some of the things that she shared was, they can't use their old systems where they planned out what reservations were gonna look like. Mm -hmm. Um, What they have done is they go day by day and it's like whoever calls. She basically shared with me that I was the type of customer that they have on a regular basis. I just happened to be out on the road, didn't wanna go all the way home and decided to stop on the road and look up a hotel that I could stay um, stay at overnight. And she said that's the typical customer right now. So she shared some other things on how they had to pivot, readjust their way of thinking, and also pick up what I call seeing beyond the veil. And that is when you don't know what's beyond the door that you come up with different alternatives and have three types of game plans in the event that what you're accustomed to do will not work.
1: You know, Chanda, I'm not sure how big your company is, your organization is, but I'm sure there are crises that um, you you have to deal with. Certainly any of us who's bought a house or been engaged in selling a house, there are constantly things that have to be dealt with. And I'm certain that um, because of uh, the impact of COVID-19 and the need to do most things remotely, everybody's been impacted by this. So Chanda, I'm interested in hearing your view on managing crises.
4: Well, for, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're always on the slow. Our company, Triumph Realty, is about 100 employees in, and we all work remotely. So social distancing is not a problem until you have to meet a client. And for us to manage these, uh, like, emergencies and such in cases like a pandemic, we always carry on with us um, with the idea of, like, be prepared. So for myself, I always have a to go box. So that to-go box includes hand sanitizers, um, deal, you know, just different wipes and, and gloves and, and masks nowadays. Whereas before, we don't think about those things. Um, and always have to be cautiously aware of the homeowner as well as your visitors. So all the guests that has to go in there has to respect the space. And um, before we even have to go there, we have to make sure that they are, one, if they've been tested, that they have acknowledged that. And two, they sign, there's a waiver where we show to our clients that they can sign to kind of a disclaimer and disclosure that they are looking at houses or space within their own risk, knowing what's out there. So I mean, that's kind of our precautionary approach.
1: You know, you mentioned risk. And I want to go back to Dr. Harper and then to Dr. Wolf with this risk assessment, workforce planning and continuity. Dr. Harper, what are you telling? Um, the people that you engage with about this. So what's this, the the school? Uh, what's the school's view of dealing with risk assessment? And how are you teaching people to uh, perform risk assessment uh, in this new era?
2: Um, JJ, we basically looked at our curriculum added a few more risk management courses and then also engaged individuals from other programs outside of the school to see what risk spent for them so that we are approaching all industries and um, to get into the courses we have come up with um, feedback that we have received from industry like I don't want to say case studies, but their stories about what has worked and what hasn't so that it makes it real to them. We have an end of program course called ePortfolio where we allow them to it's almost create a situation, a crisis situation, and to address it from a portfolio standpoint and to show how their education that um, they have experienced ties to what current I mean customers are currently going through so that they can see that their education is relevant to the problems that are occurring in the workforce today.
1: And. and Dr., Dr. Wolf, um, workforce planning and continuity is a part of that that, that subject area risk assessment. Um, what's your what's your plan and how do you engage uh, on those elements?
3: Well, <clears throat> at least half of our workforce are former military people, so we tend to take a very military approach to managing risk, and, you know, that involves a lot of tabletop exercises and, and thinking through, you know, all of the possibilities in terms of what might go wrong or what might go right. Um, the other thing is that we... We, you know, we manage risk as part of our contract execution for our government customers. So managing risk is in every single proposal. It's in every single contract. It's in every single piece of our business that we execute. So to, it's kind of baked into our DNA that we have gotten very good at managing risk. Um, I don't know that we were thinking in terms of managing a risk of a pandemic, but I'm, I'm putting that on my list of always things to plan for in the future since it it happened once, and I think we learned a lot of lessons from it, but it's something that I think we always have to be prepared for uh, in the future.
1: Dr. Wolf, I'm going to ask you uh, a question and then go back to Dr. Harper and then to to Chanda as well on this, but um, I'm interested in in your viewpoints on what the ideal is uh, for an infrastructure for organizations today. Uh, you know, we started off talking about this new norm. So um, as we look at the future here, look outward, what should the ideal infrastructure for an organization be? And the reason I asked that question is because I want to get into a couple of specific things. Should there be heavier uh, emphasis on IT? Uh, Should there be uh, more emphasis on um, uh, human resources capabilities? Should there be less uh, less focus on certain parts of the organization based on what you've seen uh, in this COVID-19. What should the ideal infrastructure for organizations look like moving forward?
3: Well, we're in the people business, even though we're considered a government contractor, you know, we, don't, we don't sell widgets, we don't make planes. The, the solution that we provide are innovative people who are good at problem solving. So developing our people is, is basically the, the number one priority at our company to grow the skills that they need for where the market's going to be in the next three years. We just released a new strategic plan that focuses on five technical areas, and my CEO wants 60% of the workforce trained by 2023. So it's very clearly an emphasis on developing our people as our primary resource. I don't think that's going to change. I think we're going to see a combination of remote work with uh, in-person work and see that trend continue as our government customers have become acclimated to out of sight, out of mind, if you will, that it's out of sight but not necessarily not productive. I, I see that trend continuing. And again, I see those shorter work assignments, you know, the gig assignments, the, the teams that come together and have to, uh, you know, lash up pretty quickly to be able to perform, get the mission accomplished, and then maybe the team, um, the team departs to work on, the, on a new project or a different, a different assignment.
1: And let me follow up very quickly. How do you think you can best empower employees using this new norm under these situations uh, that we will probably see for a while?
3: So I call it the buffet, uh, the buffet table approach. So I think the best way to prepare employees is to say, here's a video, here's a course, here's a micro-credential, here's a certificate, here's a two-year degree, here's a four-year degree. You know, it's like pick your own adventure. Because I, you know, my my workforce is highly skilled already. I mean, at least close to 80% of the company have a college degree. So it's not necessarily that they need to go back and do another degree. Maybe we've got that as an option on the table, but maybe their engineering degree is 20 years old. They wanna go back to school to get exposed to what the new recent developments in technology are, or they may wanna go develop an entirely new skill set. So that buffet of options is what works best for our workforce. And that's right. what we're planning for for the future.
1: OK, Dr. Doctor Harper, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this as well, um, the um, the workplace of the future and um, the ideal infrastructure.
2: Yes, I think Dr. Wolf has hit on a number of crucial points. First of all, I think in terms of infrastructure, it's not going to be one size fits all. And then I think the senior leadership will have to listen to the trenches. Um, From there, we have to teach um, our employees how to take control of their destiny and develop their own career plans. Um, As Dr. Wolf mentioned, we have repositioned ourselves to not only offer the graduate, the undergraduate degrees, but also the certificates and the micro-credentials. And we're putting emphasis on that. And we like to partner with organizations to say, what is it that you need? We have the curriculum and we can give it to you how your people need it. Um, it's already developed and we can work to customize it with you. And I think that's an approach that a lot of organizations are going to take because I think the one lesson we we learned is that it does come from the employees. The employees. Um, development is very crucial in the success of the organization overall.
1: Mm-hmm. So I also would like to hear some uh, a little bit from uh, from you about um, how to, how how performance how do you measure that now I mean you, you don't you used to be able to to keep your eye on folks and and and, and do that uh, in person, but how do you do that now?
2: I think. Um, I've always had an approach, especially with high performing teams, is that you come up with a quote unquote contract about what you what your expectations are. And then you meet up periodically to see if you're on course in terms of measuring that I would say that as you have those milestone visits that you discuss are are you meeting the mark. Are both parties happy with what is going on? And then I think that's an opportunity for people to grow to say, this is working, let's continue the course, or this is not working, we need to do something different. And a project we had with an organization one time, we were a part of their performance um, improvement program in -hmm. that they talked to their employees. And then um, from what the conversation was, they would tell us what skill sets each level of employee needed and we took our curriculum and um, customized it to those needs. And so the employees were able to go through the process only learning and only taking sections or modules of what they needed.
1: Okay, we've got about two minutes to go. Dr. Wolf, I'd like to hear from you briefly on that, just briefly, so we can give Chanda Chan the last, the last word here. But I'd like to hear from you uh, about um, that same question.
3: So that really resonates with me. One of the things that Mantech did is that we pivoted from traditional performance management, where people were given a rating and, you know, categories of performance that were de- pretty much defined by management to what we call career enablement. These are quarterly conversations between a manager and their direct reports where they talk about are you getting the feedback that you need? Are you making the progress that you want to? You know, what do you need to do in terms of your learning and development? Do you want to go to a conference? Do you want to go to a seminar? Do you want to take a course? What is it that you want to learn? Um, And those have been just an, it's been an amazing transformation of our culture. Uh, We just completed the uh, last uh, quarterly check-ins. We had 94% of the workforce was engaged in these Mm check-ins. And what we do is we go back and we listen to what the employees are asking for in terms of conferences and seminars. Obviously, they're not going on an airplane and going to Arizona. We instead uh, partner with... uh, some of our uh, educational partners, we partner with IT education and put on a 90-minute seminar on the topic of trends in artificial intelligence, or we put uh, on okay. a topic that basically we listen to our employees. What is sure. it that you want to learn today? And then design learning around what the employees are asking for.
1: Amanda Chan, we only have a few seconds left, so we'd like to hear your thoughts on how you're going to go forward, moving forward, looking at... Um, what's necessary in order to evaluate performance in the future.
4: With the pandemic and as an entrepreneur, I've learned that nearly every business have had pivoted its marketing and communication strategies during the coronavirus pandemic to successfully meet the demand of the relevant and helpful content. Many companies are relying on freelance designers and producing blogs and social media content posts. And throughout leadership, and I think overall, the education and the leadership of the higher education that I've learned from have taught me that what brick and mortar has not taught me is living in the virtual world and how to navigate through that virtual world. And I think with the change in the pandemic, we're forced to basically live in that realm and learn how to adjust and be more creative in our business. Whereas usually in a service-based business, you're having to I'm a handshaker and a hugger, so with the COVID-19, it has taught me to keep our social distance and mitigate risk and reduce our connection with people by way of now replacing it with technology and Zoom calls and phone calls, which I really relish on is the phone call, which gives you a more personal connection.
1: I've learned a lot today, Uh, even though I've gone through much of what's been said, uh, in terms of dealing with uh, changes in the way business works, changes in the way regular life works, and found out myself that uh, a lot of changes had to be made and th- those changes may be permanent. Um, but this was a really good look at how the macro level world is, is is dealing with this as well. So I'm sure people will benefit from it. So um, I wanna thank everybody for being on this call and on this program today. Um, I'd like to thank our guests, Dr. Marie Harper, the Dean of the Wallace Boston School of Business at American Military University, Dr. Karen Wolf, the Chief Learning Officer at ManTech, and Chanda Chan, an MBA graduate and entrepreneur. I'm your moderator, J.J. Green, and you're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search AMU. Thank you for listening to the discussion
0: Leading Forward. The link between higher education and our future government workforce. Sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Network.